Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So last episode, we left off with the question. Um, what was, or is, or will be? I don't know. What was your best or worst and or worst in-game fan experience in the NHL or the AHL? Ahem. Um, I'll start with the best of, and of all places and of all games. They do very little in-game entertainment, or used to, in the Spectrum in Philadelphia. And it was circa 1995. 94, 95. It was somewhere around 94, 95. Flyers and Rangers. And I was in there with my roommate from the University of Maryland who happened to be from New York. Big, your, your absolute stereotypical loudmouth New Yorker, right? Hey, hey what's that? Why? You know? And I'd never experienced a, a multitude of people from Philadelphia until that time who I realized are just New Yorkers with a different accent. <laughs> and that damn game was a freaking blast. We had seats that were right below, we were the last row right below the general manager's box for the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers. Naturally. It was Bobby Clark at the time. <clears throat> and, this is, and this is all, you know, the whole Lindros Legion of Doom era and the Rangers, you know, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was post, it was post Stanley Cup, so this would have been the 94-95 season. Um, you know, and the Rangers still had, you know, like Messier and Graves and Bookaboom and all those guys. And I, I tell you, that was that was probably one of the best times I ever had at a hockey game, just listening to the jibing going on. And there was a fight, and Lindros didn't participate in the fight, and the entire spectrum started turning on him. <laughs> um, and the game winner was scored by Jeff Bookaboom, of all people, with a really beautiful wrist shot. And boy, howdy, did the crowd let the Flyers hear it. <laughs> so I couldn't have told you if they did any Zamboni races on, on, the, on the Jumbotron or, or any of the sumo wrestling or Zorb Ball thing. On the, I, I didn't, nobody cared. It's Philly. You don't go there for that crap, right? No, it, that, was, that was by far and away. You don't need a whole bunch of in-game or in-arena entertainment to have fun. You just need... A, a, an entertaining fan base and a snarly hockey game. And I'll, and I'll counter that by going my worst, my absolute worst, even though it was a preseason game, had to be in Toronto because the amount of Toronto I was sitting in, it was the Sabres and the Leafs, and I went there to watch Jack Eichel, and he wasn't playing in that preseason game, so I was a bit peeved. But I just, the amount of Toronto bros... Hockey bros. Yeah, hey, boy. Oh, yeah, hey. Oh, God, you know, hey, yo. Yo, this Marner, y'all, yeah, hey. You know, hey, yo, hey. Oh, <laughs> they would not shut up the entire game. <laughs> Just would not shut up. Hey, you like watching that Hockey Wives, huh? Hey, yeah, hey. Yeah, Carrie White. Carrie Price's wife, she's kind of hot, yeah? Oh, you know, she's not nearly as hot as this guy's wife, you know? <laughs> Just like, God, save me. Just save me. <laughs> And again, I couldn't have told you what all they did in arena, in the intermissions and stuff, because that's all I heard. I was surrounded by the Yahi Bros. All right, I'm I'm gonna start with my negative because it kind of it both agrees with your Yahi Bros point, but then also contradicts your. I don't need all the other stuff to make it entertaining. Um, I kind of have a tie for worst. One of them was I was uh, January 2006 Predators Red Wings at the Joe. And I swear it was a 3-2 game. And I should mention, this was the game uh, 
That was the season that Yuri Fisher collapsed on the bench. And this was the completion of this game where they, that game was postponed one, nothing predators. Right. And so the game started one, nothing. And this was just on a whim. I'm, I'm, you know, working a temporary gig up in Detroit and a coworker, you know, springs and says, Hey, I just got two tickets. Do you want to go to this game? I was like, sure. Because I was working a job that was night. So the ability to go to a, you know, 7 PM face off was rare. And it was cool going to the Joe because that was the oldest building I had been to at that point. And I think, yeah, it's the oldest NHL facility I ever went to. And the concourse is really different based on the age of the building. And it's like, okay, this is, it was a cool novelty. But once you got into the game and given that there were only four actual goals scored. It ended up being a three, two predators win. All goals were scored by, I think before the halfway mark in the game, it felt like I was sitting in a board meeting. So it definitely could have used a little something to kind of punch up the atmosphere. But I mean, this was the height of hockey town at that point. And you know, it was a decent, I mean, it wasn't it was a sellout but it wasn't a sellout for a whatever night of the week game it was a week night conversely i went to a, a canes caps game at the bank or whatever they're nicknaming that building now uh back in i want to say 2008 this is the first place Capitals team. Bruce Boudreaux took over the team midseason. They just obliterate the Canes 4-1. Same thing. There was a little more in-game presentation, but it just, the atmosphere was just kind of meh. Like, the most heckling a Buddy and I got was on the train when we were leaving the arena. Until they realized, oh, you're just not Canes fans from that live in the area because they won the cup. You traveled up from Carolina to watch. Oh, that's cool then. You um, did this on purpose? Yeah. <laughs> no, and this, this was one of those situations where for a string of years, the Canes could have won into the playoffs in the last few games of the season. And then, you know, um, did number two in their, their uh, hockey pants. Um, and that just happened to be one of those situations. I have a home game, but most of my bad hockey experiences, at least in market, have been which team are they playing? And it's usually the Rangers because it it drives all the um, the jerks from you know New York and New York State who have been exiled to where the sun is to try and rehabilitate their crappy personalities, especially when inebriated. I'm uh, I'll I'll. I'll ask one question here um go for it pat? Where, where were you born pat uh las vegas nevada actually um, and where did you live for a long time uh different parts of north carolina mm-hmm. i i spent a 12-year stretch in upstate new york mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay oh you're a western new yorker you're you're uh central central central, central. okay so yeah. you're exempt from this then i get you uh no i am not i am a. Uh, Central's kind of one of those weird places where you're either an AHL fan or you're kind of split between Buffalo and the Rangers. See, that that's where I had a tough time because that's where my formative, you know, hockey years were. And when you had access to broadcasts from Buffalo, all three tri-state teams, that means you got your fill of Penguins games, you got your fill of Flyers games, you got I was Far enough away from the border. Live in-game update. Kevin Fiala tips one in to make 3-2 wild over the Arizona Coyotes. Um, so I was just, I was further enough away from the, fur enough away. Wow, I sound like I've been playing. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Don't you know? Mm. Of course, it's a Minnesota uh, yeah, game I'm yeah, watching. No. Yeah, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no. 
anyway, uh, I didn't pick up any of the CBC broadcasts on Saturday night, so I, I didn't get that brainwashing as a kid. So I just kind of picked a team and went from there. But yeah, it's definitely either like junior hockey, AHL, or NHL. You don't like all of it. My favorite experience, December 13th, 2016, Tuesday night in Carolina, the Vancouver Canucks are in town. Reported attendance of 11,721 fans. This number was more embellished than players' heights and weight during (laughs) training camp. If there were 7,000 people in the building that night, I'd be shocked. And for me, kind of what makes a great game, yeah, part of it's kind of on the ice. What's the rest of the crowd like? Like, if you've got a bunch of jerks or, you know, a bunch of drunks or, you know, dude bros from Ontario, it can just take you right out of a good game that you may enjoy from home otherwise, you know? This game, there's there's no one in the crowd Carolina's up 2-1 after one, and then probably by the... With five minutes left in the first period, Vancouver takes over. Ends up being 5-2 lead. Vancouver's dominating after two. It's kind of one of those uh, ho-hum games that you might leave early, but I was just around a group of people that were just, were just looking to have a little fun. And... Um, you know when you hear someone blowing on the uh, on the horn, trying to uh, get the generic fan chant going in the building. I'm sure half the half that's the one. Well, whomever was you know in charge that night was struggling. Uh, yeah, to that point where we were just mixing up the chant names. And, you know, we're just trying to make, you know, light of a here's a dark day in December. It's cold outside. No one's here. This game's going the other way. Let's just hang out and have some fun and, you know, make a little noise in the building. Sure enough, the third period ends up being a, you know, massive comeback. 8-6 final for the Canes to the point where at least one person in our in our group had to stand in the in the opening from the concourse because once you leave your sh- your seat and the team scores either for or against you are relegated to stay where you are so if, if you get up and and leave your seat the Canes score, you're watching from the alley, you're watching on the TV in the concourse, and sure enough, one guy stood there the entire third period. He, he was just a little late coming back from intermission, uh, just grabbing something extra to eat. He sits, or he's standing next to the usher, and the usher's in on it, and they're having a good time joking. Every time the team scores, comes up, gives a high five, and goes right back to where he was standing, because he's not allowed back in his seat. So, for us, this really super enjoyable game is all about what the fans around you were doing and everything I hated, you know, those kind of boring games where it's just like, am I sitting in a lecture hall or am I watching a hockey game? Yep. (laughs) And I'll shut up. now. (laughs) So I have to preface mine with, um, I've been to a number of AHL games, and they're all pretty much about the same. They're mm-hmm. kind of bland. And, yeah, it's not that the fans aren't passionate, and it's not that the game the being played isn't good. It's just, eh. Um, the best games I've ever been to, which is not NHL nor AHL, was WHL in Portland, Oregon. But that wasn't on the list. So we won't talk about the Portland Blackhawks or Winterhawks, Blackhawks, the Make Portland Winterhawks at the moment. Um, huh? Make it the list because those are, God, the Portland Seattle games in Portland now ever games are 
stonking blast. Oh, I know. They're just awesome. I mean, Portland fans are the best. I love Portland fans. They'll like sit there and harass you with, with the best of them, but it's all in good natured fun. And, you know, it, it, they can take what they dish out and, and it's just, it's more of like a sibling, like rivalry kind of fandom than it is actual nasty and ugly. Um, but it's just fun. They're just, they're just a fun crowd. And they, you know, hockey's been in, in Portland for decades and in Seattle for decades. And, um, yeah, so Seattle Portland games are like the, the last WHL game I actually went to in the nineties was in the nineties. And it was, uh, at the old Mercer arena in the Seattle center. Uh, and it was Portland visiting Seattle. <laughs> And it was the best. It was great. Um, you know, going to Seattle games as Seattle was okay. Um, <laughs> it was Portland. Portland was was like the best. Um, I I totally advocate for the city of Portland to get an NHL team because it would it would rock. It would be great. Um, but regardless of that, uh, the NHL. Uh, the best defunct, actually best overall place I've ever watched hockey was Atlanta, which, you know, no longer has an NHL team, which is why it pissed me off to no end that they went to Winnipeg. (laughs) Um, I was living in Tallahassee at the time and it was a four hour drive to Tampa and it was a four hour drive to Atlanta. And at that point in time, Tampa wasn't great. Um, there were, it was, it was a weird time period where they were just kind of mediocre after they'd won their Stanley cup, but then they had, you know, the lockout season and then they just kind of were meh. And so I was going up to Atlanta instead of Tampa, although I moved to Tampa later. Um, and there, there were, I mean, you know, Atlanta didn't have huge crowds, of course, um that was part of the problem but it was mostly a marketing thing i think all the same like the concourse just walking through the concourse was like being at a state fair it just big colorful things and and it was just happy it was a happy place to be (laughs) you don't get that with like most arena concourses it was just but it was a happy place to be and then the interior of of this you know the arena the seating area was configured very differently from how it is in most arenas which um personally whenever i went i always found that very interesting and and it just kind of added to the atmosphere um the fans were great they were very knowledgeable uh, and then the fans that weren't knowledgeable were were you know very enthusiastic and they were very happy to have people from out of town come to like be there and i just really enjoyed it and it makes me sad that they don't have a team and that the team that they had was horribly mismanaged for so long and then um if we're talking like active uh nhl teams and i would have to default to nashville um I, I actually, <laughs> I'd gone to Nashville to actually go watch Peter Forsberg play because I'd seen Peter Forsberg play in every single live in every single uniform that he had, you know, every team that he had played for, Quebec, Colorado, uh, Philadelphia. So I was like, well, okay, he's in Nashville. I might as well do Nashville. And I, I was in Tampa at the time, I think. And um, this was really before the um, country music like crowd started doing their thing in with in gamer um, like singing and in all of that performances and entertainment. Um, the arena itself actually reminds me a lot of whatever they're calling the arena in DC. I don't know if it's still the Verizon Center or not. Um, except for the color scheme was completely different. But everybody was just good natured and having fun and and you know, it was a good time. It was <laughs> it 
<laughs> the game itself was kind of eh, because it was uh, at the time it was Columbus and Nashville, and Nashville wasn't like a big juggernaut or anything either. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, that particular game Forsberg did not play, so I never did see him play in a Nashville uniform, which was rather disappointing. Um, Peter Forsberg, that is, because there is a Forsberg that currently plays on Nashville. <laughs> Mario? Mario Forsberg? Yeah. A- yeah. Anton? Anton Forsberg? No, 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 Mario. He, he has the mustache and sometimes wears a plumber's hat. Oh. <laughs> so, ah. the, worst, the worst place in the NHL that I've gone to watch a game is Anaheim. <laughs> Anaheim, their arena is like walking into a 1990s mall. It's like polished pink granite and, you know, it's like pink and black and and dark and, and I don't know. It just was like very much going into a mall. Everybody was much more interested in the, in the stands with, you know, um, doing their own thing and not really paying much attention to the game. Um, it just was kind of a, an old... Um, I don't even know what what would be the right word, but lurking. The building kind of lurked. (laughs) It wasn't really a pleasant sort of building to watch hockey in, and it wasn't a a great atmosphere because the fans were more interested in socializing with each other than watching the game. And and uh, so yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't really a a great place. But um, yeah, there you go. I, some of my others, I went to, again, back at the University of Maryland and living with a guy from, from Brooklyn, massive Rangers fan. I didn't, I, I had given up at this point on my Habs fandom, you know, as a recovering Habaholic because of the god awful series of trades they did in 1995 and 1996, which eviscerated a team. Anyway, um, so we went down, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oversharing. Um, so, in, in conjunction with the Philly game, we also went down to the Landover Center to watch the Capitals play the Rangers that season. And the Caps mm. did not have a very good team. And boy, howdy, let me tell you something: the Landover Center that is an, that is um, that was an old barn. That was one of those. And unfortunately, because when we got the tickets, we got them kind of late. And it was a sellout because, you know, it's it's the Rangers victory tour. So a lot of Rangers fans were, you know, in and around the D.C. area were there. And our seats were damn near last row at the top of the bowl. And you needed an oxygen tank and a Sherpa to get to that row because this wasn't, you know, like elevators take you up to different levels. or No, 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 no. <laughs> you walked. You got up to the concourse level and you walked the three quarters of a mile to that top row. And I just was like, I think I'm getting um, vertigo sitting up here. Clipping in the kingdom. Um, Kind of, except with at least with the kingdom, you had various levels. (laughs) This was basically two level arena. Um, Yeah, that one, that one was fun. The only... Hockey memory sharing time. My wife is from Colorado. And I went down to visit her before she moved up. and Before we got married. And um, she was an ABS fan. Still is. But we went and saw the ABS play the Phoenix Coyotes with then this Mike Smith and Nat. That tells you how long it's, he's been around. And he magic BS goaltendered that game. Avs outshot, you know, the the Coyotes something like two to one or something like that in ratio, and the game ended up four nothing. You know, and I was all excited because it was this was the Forsberg, you know, this was still kind of right around that two thousand two thousand one era of the Avs. So there was another cup coming. You know, the guys were all there, there Blake and Forsberg, and you know, oh yeah, and they threw everything at it and just you know, magic BS goalie. So when she moved up here um, a year later, we said, okay, we're going to make up for that. And we went up to Vancouver to see 
the Avs play the Canucks. This is after their 2001 Cup run. Guess what the score was? That's right, four nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is, is we we were vacillating on whether we were going to stay the night up in Vancouver because the game, you know, if we watched all three periods of the game driving home, you know, we get home like about midnight or something. Um, and again, this was, I, I want to say it was Cloutier and Net that night, but he magic BS goal team, goaltendered the abs. And we, we were looking at each other, you know, in the third period, they scored to make it three, nothing. And we looked at each other and we're like, you want to go? Yeah, let's just get out of here. And so we turned on the <laughs> radio and we're listening to the game in the car on the way to the border. And I said, watch, they'll make it for nothing just because we were in the building and sure as hell. You know, I think it was Matias Oland or someone like that scored the fourth goal. Mm. And we just turned it off and started laughing. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're never going to abs games again because clearly we're a jinx. But I was so damn disappointed because that was the first time I'd been in the Rogers Center, or it wasn't named, it was the GM place back then. The garage. Yeah. Um,. You know, because I'd gone to Canucks games when they were in the old PNE way the hell out in East Vancouver. And boy, let me tell you, those were entertaining too. Um, <laughs> actually, I, yeah, I went to what the hell the game? Anyway, regardless, uh, old man, what? Squirrel! <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that's probably Landover's, Landover of the Spectrum are probably the oldest buildings. No. I'm sorry, I did go to a game in MSG, so that would technically be the oldest building I've been in. But, you know, that that place has been remodeled so many times, you know, I don't know what it's even left of the original building. I think the oldest building I've been in was Hartford. The mall. The mall. The mall that's no longer there, it's just Hartford, like, arena or whatever it is. Oh, I'll tell you that my brother and brother-in-law did a baseball tour one year where they went back east, um, 90 or 91, somewhere in there. And my brother was big into hockey at the time, too. So they were doing, um, no, it was after Camden Yards. No. Uh, no, it wasn't. Before, it wasn't after Camden Yards. It was, anyway, they were going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Blah 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 blah. They were doing. They started in Baltimore and worked their way up, and then they worked their way a little bit further north because they really wanted to go to a game in Fenway. And part of them going to a game in Fenway was they got to go to the Boston Garden. And this was like June, I think. And they were given, and they, I think they had tours of the Boston Garden or something. But they were down in the catacombs, you know, under under the ice rink and everything. And they turned around the corner and there was a guy um, running back and forth down the hall with one of those little drag chutes tied to his waist. And my brother looked, looked again. It was Cam Neely. He was, he was re he was trying to rehab his knee. So they had him down because that's a, you know, it's a big long tunnel area. And so they had him down running, you know, with a little parachute thing on his back to give some resistance to try and rehab his knee. And I am just so damn mad that I didn't go with him. <laughs> because one, I wanted to go to the Boston Garden. You know, who knew that when they were going to tear it down? That's just a classic short corner rank, right? And then two, we got to see Cam Neely. <laughs> I guess I should qualify my oldest arena in the NHL was Hartford. <laughs> so I think Mercer Arena was like, Probably the oldest. <laughs> Mercer yeah. Arena was around in like what, nineteen twenty or something. Oh Christ, I don't remember. Probably. And then I, I mean, I've been to the War Memorial in Syracuse, which mm -hmm. might have been. I don't know if that. So one of those two are the oldest. I don't know which one. Yeah, I'm trying to. I don't know if the War Memorial would pre. No, Joe Lewis definitely predated that. I believe it was fifties that building opened. Yeah, let me look. Apparently, it's been in a movie in the seventies, from what I've heard. So I know it's at least that old. Yeah. 
I heard that too. I've heard like some NHL coach was in that movie. Former NHL coach or current? Mm-hmm. Former at the moment. But, um, Debbie does Dallas? What? So, Onondaga War Memorial, <clears throat> excuse me, 1949. So, yeah, the uh, Mercer Arena should be older. Most of your war memorials will have been built post-World War II, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them do were, like, World War One, But, um, so, Mercer Arena was built in 1927. Oh, so I guess Joe Lewis didn't open till seventy nine. No, Joe, because they'd played the Olympia. Olympia, right? Which turned into the convention center. Yes. Which is now I don't even know what they've done to that spot. I haven't been to Michigan in a minute. So yeah, the uh, the On Center War Memorial is the oldest building I've seen a game in to date. You think about like that in the arena. Uh, yeah, I think that's it because I think all the AHL arenas I've been to were after that, after 1927. <laughs> oh, that's who it was. Okay, well, yeah, the last game I saw at the PNE was Vancouver and Winnipeg. Does it? Don't the Vancouver Giants play there? Uh, I think they do. I don't remember where they moved. They moved the Giants around so much. I think they're. Oh, uh, now there. they're in Langley. Yeah, I thought they now built a new. Langley. I thought they built a new barn for them somewhere. Well, Langley you know, isn't like, anywhere near Vancouver. Right. The t- and Renton isn't anywhere near Seattle, but they're still called the Seattle Thunderbirds. So we'll 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 leave the semantics for later. <laughs> Wait, they're not in Kent. What? That's Is the internet Kenton. lying to me? It's it's Kenton. Right? It's. It's right on the line. It's right near the line. You can it, go either way. That entire region is just, you know, South King County. Yeah. I thought, what is it? The it's, a, it's Auburn Corridor or something stupid. Yeah. Can't think Auburn of what. Val- Auburn Valley Corridor or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, before we get back into Seattle geography talk. <laughs> Well, no, this is going to, for my trip in 2022, you know, this is all helpful information. Oh, okay. Um, uh, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, um, so what popped up on my Amazon feed last night as I was perusing through after the Oilers game on Saturday night, just to find something to watch before I went to bed, um, the Whatever It Takes documentary about Connor McDavid. Oh my god. I didn't know he there had been that much damage to his knee. It wasn't just a, a, a strained or, or torn PCL. There was like, a, there was a fracture in the tibia, there was a torn muscle, the PCL was shattered, he had you know, like meniscus damage, the whole nine yards. I mean, Basically, that thing was shot. And they they go through, if anyone hasn't seen it and it has Amazon Prime and might be fascinated by it, it was, it was done very well, actually. And just also, side note, further proves to me that Connor McDavid is really just, he, he has hockey Asperger's, right? He just doesn't know anything about any other social norms or anything. He doesn't care. It's just hockey. You know, and his parents sort of confirm that because they interview his parents too, and and they're just like, yeah, you know, he just once he found it, you couldn't get him away from it, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, it must be nice to have one. I won't say it because he's he's earned the right to earn that money, but you know, to have three teams of people, hyperbaric chambers, you know all this stuff available to him to rehab that knee and they go through and they show you sort of that, that, that breaking point line where if the PCL fibers weren't going to start reattaching to each other to rebuild that PCL themselves, you know, he was given like a window of you've got like three months basically to try this rehab. But after that, if these things aren't healing, then you need to go in for surgery and that's going to be 10 months to a year. You know, before you come back and, you know, we can't guarantee what you're to come back like. 
And so they play that whole thing through the entire, they play that whole sort of subtext throughout the entire first part of the documentary. But the, the, they do it in chapters. In the first chapter where they sort of show him playing in crap, you see him on the ice and you go, oh my God, that guy is unbelievably fast. His hands are ridiculous, right? And that's with other players around him. But I didn't have a true sense of what kind of speed he had until they showed him out doing some drills. You know, when there aren't other players on the ice and you can kind of get in a little bit closer to him and doing drills through these obstacles and the the way he turns and pivots on his... I was just sitting there rewinding things going, how does he... How the hell... I, what the... You know, that kind of stuff. Um, it's like an hour and a half or something. And if you didn't see it when it was broadcast up in Canada... It is fascinating because the full list of what he what that injury caused to his knee was just mind-boggling, and for him to be back on the ice by the start of the next season was just wow. I was gobsmacked. Let's put it that way. My knee is sore just thinking about this right now. Jeez. Meanwhile, I have a, a bum ankle that probably should have had surgery years ago, and I just don't want to. <laughs> oh, I have I have a shoulder just like that, and I'm not going to do it. Probably dating back to the time I was 15, so use your imagination on how long that injury's been sitting there. Yeah, I've, I've got an ankle I've sprained every 18 months on average since I was 11. So, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Well, that's what happens when well, you come from the shallow end of the of the gene pool, you know. <laughs> or you played any sort of competitive sport for any length of time. Well, there's that too. Yeah, just not much risk of injury as a competitive programmer, is there? I mean. Oh, oh. We, we don't have enough time to get to get into that laundry list of injuries. Oh, my carpal tunnel. Oh, my back. Oh, my eye strain. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to sit here and knock on every piece of wood in the house because in my entire time of playing sports and, you know, inline hockey and and ice hockey and soccer and, you know, pick up softball and rec league crap. I think the worst I ever had in any of them was like, you know, a strained quad or, you know, I rolled my ankle. Um, I got, I had more injuries from moving my musical equipment around than it did playing hockey. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'd get whacked and I wouldn't play with shin guards when I was out playing inline hockey. So I'd get, you know, my shins got bumps and knots all over them. Yeah, for, that doesn't you know, count. No, it doesn't because, you know, I felt like I got up, you know. Actually, no, that's not true. My worst injury was when I jumped over a cyclone fence coming out of a Mariners game and landed straight on my heels and bruised them both. Eesh. That's not fun. No, I could only I, I basically had to walk like I was wearing high heels anywhere and even then it still hurt like nobody's business. So I had to crawl up the stairs to get home that night. Ugh. Yeah, I, most of most of my <laughs> most of my injuries come from my Now I had to stop <clears throat> I had to stop playing hockey well for two reasons. One I'd aged out of the program I was in in Tacoma, and I didn't want to drive up to Seattle. And two, I uh, <laughs> I screwed up my knee and, and screwed up my ankle further playing street hockey. So the the initial street ho- or the initial ankle like issues were both just genetic and basketball related. And then, um, yeah, so I stopped, stopped ice skating for a long time after that. <laughs> did I go, did I go get it looked at by a doctor? Oh, hell no. The worst I did though, was actually break my elbow public skate. <laughs> so I've, which, I've which actually doesn't hurt any worse than breaking any other bone, just so you know, but, um, yeah. 
And then, and then I had my teammates like trying to convince me I needed to go to the hospital. I'm like, can we get lunch first? <laughs> Cause it was a shock had worn off. It wasn't, a, it, it didn't really, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was in a splint, but uh, it didn't really hurt that much. And I'm like, eh, I can wait, let's get some food. <laughs> no, that checks out. I played shinny once or pick up as we like to call it in the South. Um, I had no, a puck. Wait, what was that? <laughs> That's only because when Southern people say shinny, it sounds something completely different. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. And I remember I was trying to play in Michigan one time and they're like, what is pickup? I was just like, drop in. Why do we have all these weird words for, oh, can I pay this money to go play in this pickup game? Thank you. But no, one time I was playing a puck goes off my toe, hits me up in my near my eye socket. I still managed to go back, get undressed, drive myself home, and then called a friend. Would you mind taking me to the hospital now? <laughs> ow. I'm just, ow. Ow. And to this day, I still need to wear sunglasses outside because I will get headaches. First confirmed yeah, really concussion. Nice, <laughs> I have a really nice scar on my elbow where I had to have the pins put in and taken out. Yeah. That's a story for another day because the yeah I, I just won't get into that right now because the surgery thing was a whole hilarious thing that went on. But anyways, you know most so hockey about, podcasts. I was gonna say most hockey podcasts they talk about players' injuries. We can talk about our own. <laughs> well, and this is just my first confirmed concussion was we were doing donuts in my friend's '68 Cougar that he had rebuilt. And I was sitting in the passenger seat, and he was doing donuts on the lawn of a school somewhere, and we sidebarred a tree, and my head, you know, because it's a 68 Cougar, I had a lap belt, <laughs> and my head whacked the side of the, yeah. Yeah, most of yeah, my injuries come from I've my had... own youthful I... stupidity and indiscretion, nothing from my sporting adventures. <laughs> never had a quote-unquote confirmed concussion but uh, <laughs> i've had a couple suspected <laughs> all right so how about that how about that tv deal tv streaming deal is it good uh. i have after after not reading <laughs> after not reading the press release, which indicated that they were killing NHL TV. I have many more questions about them killing NHL TV. And furthermore, I think we all had questions about what the hell they're going to do with NHL network. And furthermore, I have more questions as a longtime direct TV center ice package subscriber where I got all the games in HD unlike you poor people on cable who get maybe one or two a week because cable sucks um, I want to know if it, you know because my my center ice subscription included NHL TV well, now, you know, is that, that going to include the ESPN plus hockey package two mm. days two days after uh, the announcement by the NHL that they were doing this, I got a lovely email from Disney because I have the Disney Plus, um, ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus package that, you know, they're going to start charging me more for that. Like, huh, I wonder why you're charging me more for that. <laughs> that $420 has got to come from somewhere, and it sure as hell isn't going to be Disney. Right. Yeah, we... That that might break that poor multi-billion dollar company if they had to pay, you know, pennies on the dollar. That's interesting. We got that same email before the uh, even the leaked announcement with the where the Chris Johnsons of the world had the financials for it. Um, we already knew it was going up a little. And then they made me happy by making an announcement, making it seem like it's going to be just as much work to watch a game this season as it is, you know, next season. It's going to be. Yeah, I want to know what the NHL is going to do with my credit card info. That's what I want to know. 
if they're not going to have NHL TV anymore. Yes, because trying to update that information is... I want to know what they're going to do with my app. You know? And am I going to get 4K streams now? Right? Because... I think I heard on I think I heard on the inside I want to say I heard on the inside the truck podcast that a couple of NHL buildings have upgraded, you know, their their base stuff to 4K. Which means, you know, instead of having one truck, you know, with 4K capabilities, one remote truck, you know, driving around to all the different arenas, some of the arenas themselves are going to have 4K compatibility. So 4K is coming fairly soon. I know I know Rogers broadcast one or two games last season before the shutdown in 4K. Mhm. And there wasn't any place to see him in 4K unless you were on Rogers, you know, unless you were in Canada and had a 4K sub to something. Um <clears throat> you know, I I kind of like to have that question answered, you know. Am I going to be able to stream 4K via my ESPN Plus, Hulu Plus, Disney Plus, Marvel Plus, Star Wars Plus, you know, micro transaction subscription, death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> monthly bill? Mm-hmm. We need to change the subject before I start getting super ranty. <laughs> So you mentioned NHL Network. Yeah. It's so for anyone that doesn't know, the leagues deal with whatever the entity that used to be MLB Advanced Media that pretty much programs and runs the MLB network and now the NHL network, thus why they moved to New Jersey once upon a time. Uh, that's also up after this year, which is part of the move to go on ESPN and do all their, the Disney built streaming services. Um, cause I'm pretty sure whatever, you know, BAM tech has used in the past, it's pretty much been rewritten and replaced. But what happens to the network? Cause I mean, we're already seeing NBC. Universal shut down a a cable network. Is NHL network just going to die in the U.S. because it's well, not a thing in the Canada anymore? Well, they. I mean, it was pretty much said that the ESPN is going to bring back their. I don't know if it's going to be called NHL Tonight, but they're going to bring back their NHL like highlight show. I'm, you know, uh. I would hate to see the NHL completely blow up that entire resource because Kevin Weeks is a G-damn national treasure. Right? And, you know, he's been the only thing palatable about watching some of their shows. And they have just, you know, they have continued to constrain and constrain and constrain their own programming to the point that, you know, it kind of needs to die because they're not doing anything with it. The league itself is not doing anything with it. And if they're going to, if they're going to, in a money saving move, which is probably what it's going to be, you know, shutter NHL network, um, ESPN damn well better hire weeks. Yeah. And I think I mentioned it in our, our chat a while ago when this the whole thing was sort of announced and we were and we were discussing whether NHL network was going to go away is if if that may have been you know the reason why Kevin Weeks's name was starting to show up in GM positions cuz he kind of read the writing on the wall, you know, he may have known that NBC walked away from the A package deal or NBC walked away from the A package deal and that, you know, ESPN was likely going to pick it up and part of that was going to be this other stuff. I think if NBC buys the A package deal, I don't know as if they shutter NHL network because NBC sure as hell wasn't interested in, you know, creating any 
broadcast or any side, you know, marketing to partner with the NA to partner with their NHL, you know, except like Wyshynski said, except for a couple podcasts that no one listens to. Um, you know, whereas ESPN will be like, yeah, damn right, we'll bring back NHL tonight. You know, do you want us to get Ray Ferraro? We can get Ray Ferraro. You know, that kind of stuff. We've yeah, got Linda I mean, Cohen, we've got Levy, we've got Ray, you know, we've got Lucha Cross, and, and <laughs> you know, we can bring Melrose in, and you know, mm. and we can, and you know, because because we've got a friendly partnership deal with TSN because we own like twenty percent of them, you know, we can get Ray Ferraro, we can get you know, Mike Johnson back or something. Be like, yeah, do it. I find it interesting that the NHL. And I, I understand that part of this is, is money, but I find it interesting that they have zero interest in creating their own products. They just want to hire someone or have an agreement with someone else to do it for them. I, I'm starting to think that they may be realizing that there is no traction on their own products outside of the website because they can't they can't get into enough, they can't get carriage of the NHL network in enough markets to make it worthwhile, right? Well, I mean, it's a chicken and the egg argument, right? I, it's, I, it's, but they don't We wanna, need to make it better so other people will take it, but no one wants to take it because it's not good. Right, and that's, you know, for us to make it any better, we're going to have to siphon money off of something else and put it there. And I got to be honest, I think they may be ahead of the curve on this, seeing that cable distribution isn't the way to go anymore. You know, let's let someone else, you know, do the do the stuff with, you know, securing carriage rights with all the different cable companies and satellite companies and all that kind of crap. That's someone else's problem. We don't need it, you know. We can build our own little studio and start streaming our stuff online, or in this case, we'll just let ESPN take care of it because they've got all the Disney infrastructure and, you know, let them take care of it. The NHL actually admitting and recognizing their limitations? Probably. I mean, if this is the NFL, they got more money than they know what to do with, and they can throw it at a network and get everyone to cover it. Hello, NFL Red Zone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Or conversely, they have their own network and they can actually hire decent enough people to put a product together because they can afford to do it. Right. So it makes me one. So it makes me wonder if that's why the Buffalo Savers have been having so many issues. Oh, ow, ow, ow. All right. And speaking of teams that wear blue, here's a completely unrelated question. I think we can wrap things up on. Do the blue lines really need to be blue anymore? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.